Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. I felt like God was uh, releasing some things during that worship set. I don't know if anybody came in with any kind of need today. But I believe that God had the the answer to your need before you even walked in the door. I heard somebody say the other day that uh, what's the difference between a a master, somebody who's a master of something and someone who's, who's not? A master doesn't need optimal conditions to come through. God doesn't need optimal conditions to come through. Whatever you're going through in your life, you don't have to be in an optimal position for God to come through for you. So I don't know what you're believing for today. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue, something having to do with relationships. But I believe that God has already begun to release miracles upon us today. So one more time, let's just give the Lord a shout of praise. Just receive it right now. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, my dad is going to be back next week. That is the word on the streets. If it doesn't happen, you know my heart was in the right place when I said it. (laughs) Just kidding. He is going to be back next week. Uh, He's been on uh, vacation. And uh, I'm telling you, When my dad comes back from vacation, you don't want to miss his first sermon back because he's fired up. Generally, there's a staff meeting and a brand new vision, a brand new workload, and we're happy to uh, accomplish it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just, we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be in this house today, God. Lord, we do not want to take it for granted. Lord, we know that as we came through COVID, there were times where we couldn't even join together, Father. So today, God, we just focus our attention and our eyes on you, Father. I thank you that you're going to do something through this service. I ask that you would anoint me, God. Anoint this word that you've given me, Lord. And Lord, I know that you've already begun to prepare the hearts of the people to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So as you can see by the screen, I'm doing a a sermon today that's been on my heart for a while, and it's called Altars and Idols. That's an intriguing title. And uh, we're going to get into what that means. But ultimately, what we're going to talk about today is when we take a good thing and we make a mistake of making it the main thing. Now, this is a serious subject, but I want to have a little bit of fun today. How many like to have fun in church once, once in a while? So I'm going to share a couple of funny stories. And it's a serious subject, but I want to have some fun while we do it. So uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I guess it probably would have been, man, maybe going on 10 years ago that, that Pastor Scott and myself and my dad had went down to Haiti and the Dominican Republic. 
How many were with us? How many were with New Beginnings when, when we did that? So it was, uh, it was right after the, uh, the earthquake. And uh, <clears throat> my dad got a, a call on his cell phone. And, you know, a lot of people don't have his phone number. So he was surprised when he got this call from a pastor who was down in, in Haiti. And he said, uh, there's all kinds of kids just kind of running around who had lost their parents and we really need help. So being the good stewards of, of our finances that, that my dad knows we have to be, he said, we're interested in helping, but we want to come down there and see for ourselves what's going on. So it ended up being a trip that we went to Haiti and the Dominican. But when we went down there, we, uh, we had to climb up this, drive up this mountain, and Haiti is a third world country. It's just, it was just amazing to see the destruction. I think most of it is still there because they just don't have the, the, the ability to kind of clear things out uh, from all of the rubble. But we drove up this mountain. We ended up seeing all of these, uh, these orphans who there was probably about 30 of them who were living, there was a, a church building that was just one room, kind of probably about like this size of the stage right here. And they had um, tin that they'd laid up against the side of it and all of the orphans were sleeping inside of there. They had kind of a religious way of thinking and they didn't want them to sleep inside of the building. It was pretty odd. But it was one of those instances where we saw what was going on and we we looked at each other and we were like, man, we have to do something about this. Like there's certain things that you see in life, injustices that you have to stand up for. And so we ended up uh, um, building them a facility. And so many of you were a part of helping us to build that facility. And uh, we ended up digging them a well. And if you remember, the well took about five or six times the amount of money to dig through the mountain that we thought it was going to have to take us. And, and it was just a miracle. And, and, uh, and God did some amazing things there. And while we were there, uh, we got invited to go see another uh, orphanage that was in the Dominican Republic. So we drove from Haiti to the Dominican Republic. And we had a driver this guy that lived on the ground over there who was the pastor and he was overseeing all of this. And, uh, and then he had a interpreter and we were in like this like little mini Cooper almost type of a car. And it was our, it was our pastor and then the interpreter in the passenger seat. And then my dad and me in the middle and Pastor Scott on the side. <laughs> and my head was almost out of the sunroof. And I'm bigger than both of them, but of course the young one, you know, gets stuck, stuck in the middle. And we find out that it's a 12-hour drive to the Dominican Republic. So you want to be a missionary, huh? So, so we're driving there, and Tony... Oh, didn't mean to say his name, but Tony... <laughs> is driving like 110 miles an hour. And it's hot, we're crammed in there, we've got our luggage, and Pastor Scott was not feeling it. (laughs) 
and there's animals coming out in front of us. We're slamming on the brakes and we'd been in Haiti eating like, you know, not great food. I'm telling you, yeah, if you go to Haiti, just bring protein bars, okay? <laughs> God bless Haiti. I, also, I forgot to say, I don't think I mentioned this, uh, a, a family in our church ended up adopting two of those orphans. So <clears throat> we're driving there, and I remember at one point, I, e- even I was like, this is a bit much. And the guy's driving like 110 miles an hour. And I put my hand on his shoulder like this. I said, my dad is in the car and he's responsible for all of our jobs. Slow down. (laughs) I said, this is precious cargo. So we had to drive from Haiti to the Dominican. And I'll tell you what, uh, crossing that border. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was a experience. So many of you know that in Haiti, there's a lot of um, witchcraft and uh, a lot of idolatry. And what's, what's interesting is the, the atmosphere literally changes when you go from Haiti to, to the Dominican. And nothing against Haiti. I mean, the, the Haitian people are amazing people. But when as a nation, you accept certain things there can be curses that can come on you for that. And as we crossed over that border, the literal landscape changes. I mean, it it go and and it it just, it feels dark and then you go into light. In fact, they told us that on that border, because it's on the ocean, there's no fishing left in the Haiti side. And then as soon as you get over into the Dominican, all the fish are back. Isn't that crazy? So, Spiritual things are real. We'll come back to, uh, to, the, uh, to the border crossing there, but uh, we, got into the, we, we, we got into the Dominican and uh, we stayed at this compound. And, <clears throat> you know, it's third world. And, uh, you know, I just remember P. Scott and I eating a lot of protein bars. <laughs> and... And I remember we got to this compound and there was only two rooms and there was me, P. Scott, and dad. So again, the young youth pastor has to take the hit. So dad gets his own room and uh, me and P. Scott are like, all right, buddy, it's me and you. And we go in and there's only one bed, one little bed. And I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember, but at the time there was like, I, I don't remember. I was trying to remember what it was. It was either a movie or a commercial or something like that. And there was this pastor in this commercial or movie. It was like a comedy. And he was talking about, this is the house I got, but that's the house the Lord want me to have. I don't know if you guys remember that. He was like, this is the wife I got, but that's the wife the Lord want me to have. I don't know if you remember that. So Pastor Scott and I walk into this room and uh, we see one bed and we'd already been in Haiti for like two weeks and we're like, huh. I'm like, well, peace, God, it's yours. We're tired and uh, we just go to bed and uh, we turn the lights out and I'm sleeping on the floor. So you want to be a missionary, huh? And uh, the lights go out and, and it just, you know, just goes quiet. And then I said to P. Scott, this is the bed I got. 
but that's the bed the Lord want me to have. <laughs> Pastor Scott did not hear from the Lord that day. <laughs> Respect your elders, amen? I was laughing when I was putting these notes together, remembering that. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we did this long drive. I remember we got into the Dominican and it was a 12-hour drive and we're just in this tiny thing. Katie and I just did a 12-hour drive back from Colorado. 12 hours is a long ways, much less with, you know, five grown men who've been in Haiti for two weeks. Not a lot of showers going on. And uh, we're just squeezed in there. And we, we really, I think honestly, P. Scott and I ate protein bars the whole time. We just didn't want to risk anything, you know? And uh, I remember we get into the Dominican and a few hours in where we're going to see these other orphanages the next day, all of a sudden we hit a McDonald's. So I'm going to say McDonald's in air quotes, okay? Because, you know, it's like anytime you go to something like that in a third world country, it's not always exactly what you want. And it's like two in the morning. We couldn't even believe it was open, but we were just like, yeah. Yeah. So we go into the drive-thru and, uh, you know, Tony and the interpreter, they order some stuff and the dad orders some stuff and they didn't have like half of what we're ordering. It's just like, okay, whatever, whatever you got, we'll just take it. And, uh, and then P. Scott was the last one to order. And, uh, and we're like, what do you want, P. Scott? And, and, and like, we're facing this way in the car and the person's trying to take our order right here and P. Scott's just like had it. And he's just looking straight forward like this. She just goes, cookie dough. <laughs> like he wanted a blizzard. And of course, like typical McDonald's, like oh, the blizzard, the ice cream machine is always down. Like you could go on YouTube and find out like there's conspiracies about this. It's that big of an issue in America. First world problems. And, and of course, the guy's like, well, the ice cream machine's uh, down. Would you like something else? And P. Scott doesn't even look at him and just goes, cookie dough. (laughs) So you want to be in the ministry, huh? So earlier we'd crossed the border and the border was interesting because our our guy over there who was helping to connect with all of the orphans... um, just an amazing guy because he was living over there and he was an American, but he was living over there just doing missionary work. And he had a connection with one of the guys who was like way up in the military and, and this Dominican guy. And so we met with him and he helped us to cross the border because when you're crossing a border in a third world country, it can, it can be a little bit sketchy. You know, you don't know if you're going to get shaken down or what. So, uh, so we got to the border and this, this guy, I can't remember what his position was, but he was like a general. He was really high up. He was over this whole operation. I mean, you know, right there at the border, like is where all of the import and the export is happening. So it was busy. I mean, it was popping. You're right there on the ocean and it's like, whoa, this is crazy. So this guy meets us there. And he was a Christian. And so he was really excited to see us and to, and to meet us. And, and he said, hey, can you come inside? Come into my office. I want to show you some things. So he takes us inside and he takes us over to his computer. And he's like, 
I want to show you these pictures of what I just stopped from coming through the border from Haiti into the Dominican. And from the Dominican is where these items will go out to the world. And on his computer, he shows us these photos of them opening up these big shipping containers. And inside of the shipping containers were these massive, like 11, 12-foot idols that had been carved in Haiti by, like, witch doctors. And this was real stuff. And they were being exported to the world from Haiti. And I remember, like, seeing those things and, and, and thinking to myself, wow, I've never seen anything that actually lo- looked that demonic. You know, in, in Hollywood movies, you know, you see a scary movie or something like, oh, geez, that's scary looking. This was another level because it was like real and it was actually demonic. And, and this Christian general in this army was so proud because he'd stopped these idols. And he said, these will be shipped out to all, of, to all over the world to secret organizations that worship this stuff. And he said, a lot of it is in America. So that was firsthand proof of things that, you know, we don't really hear and see about, but idol worship is a real thing. And the Bible talks a lot about it, but it talks about idols that are, that are physical idols, but it also talks about things that can become idols. But I remember thinking when I saw these idols that as much idolatry happens in third world countries, there's actually more idolatry that happens in first world countries and in America than even in these third world countries. That's one of the the challenges of blessing is that when God blesses you, it's very easy to, to begin to forget where you came from and what the purpose of the blessing actually is. So at New Beginnings, we, we, we make an effort to talk about the blessings of God and the, the positive aspects of God because so many churches just are doom and gloom. And, and, but we have to have a balance. We have to talk about the blessings, but we also have to talk about the fact that there are consequences for sin because one day we'll stand before God, you know, and, and at that point, it's too late to go back and change some of the things that you'd like to have changed. And so it's very important that as believers, as Christians, that we make sure that we are taking responsibility ourselves to read the word so that we understand fully that God is a good God and he will bless what you put your hands to. But at the same time, be very, very, very aware that there are consequences for sin. And that's not solely the pastor's responsibility to tell you. That's you as congregation members' responsibility to see that in your word and know that because you will stand before God one day and I will not be there with you. It will be you and God. 
And you will not be able to say, my pastor didn't tell me. And I'm going to be in the same boat. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're in front of an authority who could change your life and in God's case, make a decision on your eternal soul. But that's a sobering thought. And I believe that it's probably undertaught in modern Christianity. And I think I don't want to err on the side of not touching on that because it literally comes down to eternity. It's important. So we talk about blessing all the time. And, but at New Beginnings, we also talk about the other side of the coin because, like I said, we'll stand before God. I remember when 9-11 happened and I was not in the country and it's like, whoa. And the first thing I did was like, God, forgive me for every sin. You know, I was 21. Like, is the world going to end? You know, how many of y'all been in that position where something happens? You're like immediately thinking about your past. You know, and uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, we just came back from vacation. <clears throat> and uh, Katie and I drove together. And Jen and Lion flew. And... Uh, on the way back, Katie got pulled over. <laughs> Is it possible to not get pulled over on a road trip in Texas? Because, exactly, because there's no landmarks and so there's no like reference for moving. Like you don't see any, it's all flat. There's nothing out there. So you're just like, am I going 40 miles an hour or 112? I, I don't know. And I don't care. I wanted to say right there, I try not to speed, but it's like, you're in the pulpit. You can't lie. <clears throat> I'll say this. I wasn't trying to speed. Uh, so yeah, it was me that got pulled over. It was funny because, uh, <laughs> uh, it was funny because I was driving Katie, Katie and Katie was driving with me and, uh, and <clears throat> I think we were in New Mexico and man, I, you know, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, police officer slam on the brake your heart. She's like, uh, and, uh. You're just looking in the rear view and he doesn't pull out and you're like, God, <laughs> tithing works. <laughs> My dad used to always say that when, we, when we'd be golfing and like, you know, the ball would land and bounce the right, right, right direction instead of the wrong direction. He'd be like, tithers bounce. <clears throat> But I passed this police officer and he didn't pull out. And I was just like, oh, I, I literally said to Kay, I said, we, man, we dodged a bullet on that one. I tried to slow down after that. <clears throat> tried. But then I started getting tired, you know, and when you're tired. Uh, so I'm like, turn up the music. I'm like slapping my face. 
you know, don't drive when you're tired, but sometimes it happens. And, uh, and I was just, I was, <laughs> Katie's just like chilling and I had the music like so loud and I'm like, like lean towards the steering wheel, just trying to stay awake. And <clears throat> we've all done it, right? I told you today we're going to have a little bit of fun, you know, and, uh, just keep it real. <clears throat> and, uh, and then I passed by another officer right when I got into Texas <sighs> and Texas don't play. So I see him go like this behind me. I'm like, Oh no, comes out behind me. So I pulled over and, uh, like, has anybody in here ever, anybody in here over the age of 25 who drives on a daily basis have never been pulled over? Raise your hand. Look, I knew it'd be you, <laughs> Gabby. <laughs> Way to go, Gabby. Let's go. Way to go, Gabby. I just wanted to take that poll because I thought there's no way. So uh, here's the thing. Side note, be super respectful when you get pulled over. <clears throat> Put your hands on the wheel. Like these guys don't know what they're coming up to. I always put my hands on the wheel. Just a little trick for young guys, young guys out there. Put your hands on the wheel. Let them see. I do it every single time. And I, I guarantee you that the officers appreciate it because I'm bigger than most of them. And honestly, like these guys that pulled me over this time, these two guys are like this. <laughs> Imagine walking up to a car every single day and you're like, I don't know what I'm, you know, just like do everything you can to put them at ease. It gets you out of a lot of stuff. Didn't get me out of it this time. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> here was the funny thing. So these, these officers were really cool, really nice and everything like that. Uh, I was going a little over speed limit. <sighs> and um, when, we, when we drove away, I realized what was happening. I'd just come from New Mexico into Texas where the laws are a little different about what you can have on you, if you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> I thought, oh, okay, well, that's, that's because when they pulled me over, they were asking a lot of questions and stuff like that. And I just was, you know, cool with them and stuff like that. I had a good experience with them. But I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you're talking to somebody who has authority, police officers are a great uh, example, but you know you don't have anything illegal on you, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. You might even be a little, you know, hey, I'm going to argue my side of the, ca the case on this, respectfully. But when you're in the right standing, there's a confidence that you can have. But I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of the coin. When you get pulled over and you got something on you and you're like, oh man, that's a bad feeling. Don't raise your hand, but anybody ever been in that position? Anna? <laughs> I had to pick on Anna. It's always Katie. 
But I did drive away thinking, man, thank God I ain't got nothing to worry about. You know, that's a good feeling. And I use that example to say, that's why we need to talk about blessings, but we need to also talk about the consequences of sin because one day we'll stand before him and we, we want to have that confidence that like, hey, okay, we're about to go through my life. <laughs> we're going to play it on the screen. <clears throat> And I know everybody's going to be watching, but I'm going to be able to, you know, be pretty confident in my choices and kind of stand by my choices versus like, oh man, we're about to look at it all in front of the father, you know. That's a heavy feeling. So that's why it's important to talk, to the, talk about this kind of stuff. So I'd had this message on my heart because I'd been studying uh, Exodus, and, and there's a part of Exodus that talks about altars and idols. I thought, man, that's just such a great title, and God started showing me some things. So, you know, if you ask yourself, what is an idol? And what is an altar? What is an idol? An idol is when we take a good thing, because we're not really talking about physical idol worship like, like the Haitian stuff that I was talking about. In, in, more of our, in, in, in more of our lives, we're tempted with turning something that is a good thing into the ultimate thing. Turning something that God gave us as a good thing and turning it into the main thing. And then it becomes an idol. I think honestly that if you study idolatry in the Bible, it, it, it makes the case more of good things being idols than it, than it talks about physical idolatry. But physical idolatry does happen. And in ancient Egypt, when the Egyptians were, had the, Israelites as slaves, the Egyptians actually worshiped physical idols. So an idol is when we take a good thing and we make it the main thing. And there's a cool example of this in the book of Exodus. Like I was saying, when the Israelites were in Egypt and God raises up Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Pharaoh doesn't want to do it. God sends plagues on the Egyptians who were idolaters, shows his force. God has a whole destiny planned out for the Israelites. And Pharaoh says, okay, we got to let these people go. So Moses and Aaron take the Israelites on a journey. They go into the wilderness. You remember? What did God give to the Israelites when they left Egypt. He said, I'm going to give you all of this when you go, the silver and the gold. So when he delivered them from slavery, out of that bondage, when he delivered them from their old lifestyle, he said, not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going to put something good into your hands as well. God is amazing like that. 
So they're in the wilderness for a period of time. It's interesting we talk about it because we say that they were lost, but really they probably weren't lost. God was just waiting for some of the unbelievers to cycle out so that they could step into the promised land. But regardless, they're, they're on a journey towards the promised land. Now relate this to your life. God delivers you from Egypt. God delivers you from idols, things that you thought were God's, things that you thought you could build a life on, which you really couldn't. God delivers you from that. And then he puts good things into your, he says, you don't have to rely on that. Rely on me and I'll put silver and gold into your hands. Relate this to your personal life. You used to live a life of sin. God said, let me take that upon my shoulders. And let me put silver and gold into your hands. And that silver and gold looks like his blessings, his promises. Let me put you in a community of people who will will hold you up, who will pray for you. If you're in the hospital, we're going to be there right with you. I'm going to show you how to build a business. I'm going to show you how to build a marriage like that's silver and gold right there, right? I'm going to show you how to raise children. I'm going to show you how to fight battles like that's the real silver and gold right there. But on top of that, he also wants to give you real silver and gold too. That's why we got to read the Bible because these stories are so rich. And they apply right to our lives. Like we were in Egypt, guys, before we knew the Lord. We were idolaters. We worshiped the things of the world. God delivered us from that. And then there's a period of time where we're in the wilderness, but, God, but we're headed to the promised land. So the Israelites were in the wilderness. They're, they're, they're making their way to the promised land. And God wants to collect them as a people and show them how to live And so he says, Moses, I want you to go up to this mountain, go up to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up to the mountain and God gives him the 10 commandments. And while he's up there, he gets these 10 commandments. They're written on tablets. He comes down and while he was up there, the Israelites had gotten anxious They said, I don't know if we can count on this God. Some of them actually wanted to go back to Egypt. Now relate this to our own lives. You know, sometimes it's hard to trust in God, but we don't ever want to go back to Egypt. We don't ever want to go back to that system, but some people were willing to go back to slavery. I'll be a slave as long as the gods of Egypt can provide for me. No way. So they started to doubt just because they were in a little bit of a wilderness, but the wilderness is where your faith is built. So some of them wanted to go back. Some of them started to doubt. And guess what they did? They took some of the good thing, the silver and the gold that God had given them said, here, I'm going to give this to you as you leave Egypt, as you're headed for your promised land. 
They took some of that silver and gold and they made an idol. They went back to their old ways. They went back to their Egyptian ways and they said, well, let's make this idol. Maybe this idol can help us get out of this wilderness. And Aaron was supposed to be responsible for him. And Aaron, it's funny if you, if you read the story, he totally just dodged the bullet. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I showed up and they built an idol. Moses is like, oh my goodness, give me a break, dude. So they make this idol and they took what was supposed to be a good thing and they made it into the main thing. See, good things aren't the problem. It's when we take good things and we turn them into idols that things become a problem. I'm going to close with this and Danton and the team can come up. But what happens next is Moses is very upset. He's like, how could you do this? God brought us out of Egypt. He gave us the Ten Commandments. And so he says, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to ask God to reestablish his covenant because he broke those tablets. And as you know, when he goes back up, God writes the tablets on, on, on his heart. But, before, but when he goes to the people and he says, I'm going to go back up to the mountain and I'm going to ask God, I'm going to repent on our behalves. And I'm going to ask God to reestablish his covenant with us that he just made with us. God said, you be, you be my people and I'll be your God. This is a covenant that God offers to all of us as well. He says, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. This is the covenant that's available to us. He says, I'll give you good things, but don't make them the main thing. Don't make them the main thing. So Moses says, I'm going to go up to the mountain But he says, before I do, I want to talk to everybody. And he says, I want you to bring me all of your ornaments. All of the silver and all of the gold that God gave us. I want you to bring those things to me that you turned, those good things that you turned into the main thing. I want you to bring those to me and give those to me. Now we're going to take an offering. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) In other words, if you want to reestablish the covenant, first you've got to deal with the idols. Amen. So today I just want to ask ourselves, have we created any false gods out of anything? Have we taken anything that's supposed to be a good thing and turned it into the main thing? Because... Those good things are nowhere near as good as the things that God really wants to give you. But he gives you good things because he loves you. But he also gives you good things because the good things, and this is it, are the opportunities to lay down those good things 
as altars. God wants to give us the silver and the gold. He wants to give you the biggest business, the biggest businesses. He wants you to have the biggest businesses, the most blessed businesses, the biggest ideas. But he wants you also to lay every single one of those good things down at an altar. So what does that look like? It looks like every good thing in your life being second to him. Second to him. And like I said, we talk about the blessings. It's there, but I got to tell you about the flip side because I see so many people who are going for God until things get good and then it's back off time. When we need God, we're going for him. We're in church. We're serving. We're volunteering. All of a sudden, the ball gets rolling, and the good thing becomes the main thing. And we just really got to take inventory ourselves. Like, does the good thing get more time than the main thing? If so, we're creeping on idolatry. And this is not meant to be a heavy message because the great news, the amazing news is that God reminds us of these things. He understands, but he sends people like me to remind us all. Because one day we stand before him and we want to have that confidence and not be like, ooh, I wish I'd uh, not let that good thing you gave me become a main thing. Isn't that amazing? God gave him the silver and the gold. He said, here it is, man. You can do anything with this. You could feed your family with this. You could buy a farm with this. You could start a business with this. You could pay for health coverage with this. You could do all of these things, but don't let this good thing become the main thing. Take that good thing and lay it down on an altar. Tithe off of it. And when I talk about tithe, you know, it's not just finances every good thing in our life we tithe from even our time we take time on the sabbath and we you know we refrain from doing a lot of things because god's given us seven days let's give him one but just briefly you know just so i can bring it home to us you know what are some things that god gives us that are things that really we can lay down at his altar and when i say lay down at his altar you got to remember you remember when when uh Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, but God didn't really want him to sacrifice Isaac. He just wanted to make sure he understood. It was a test. So when God says, lay down the good thing, he's not saying, kill it. It's an understanding that we go, if you asked me to, I would. If you asked me to, to, Literally, if you asked me to give up my business and go on that mission field in Haiti, I would. It's a condition of the heart. But it's also a practical matter of your physical time and energy and efforts. Are the good things getting more energy than the main thing? That was literally like what separated Judaism from the rest of the world was this monotheistic idea that there is one God. And he is above all. 
I just love that. Altars and idols. So some things that can become idols, and there's all of them, but I, I believe that God has probably been speaking to you during this message, or maybe he'll begin to speak to you now about things that you go, yeah, I might be letting some things get out of whack a little bit. And, and that's tempting to do in the meantime, because you're seeing this, this progress with this thing that you're investing time and energy into. And it's easy to see those gains. And sometimes it's hard to see what you're giving up on the other side and what you're losing in terms of your closeness to God. And so that's why these, these messages are important. But businesses, God needs you to do business. But if, you're, if your business becomes more important than your relationship with God, today's a day to say, hey, let me bring this business back to the altar. Not to kill it, but just to say, God, I'm gonna make sure that the balance of this I give more time to you than I do my business. Amen. Relationships. Sometimes we put more energy into relationships. There's so much we could say about it. But sometimes we put more energy into a relationship. An example might be you're pursuing a relationship with someone who maybe isn't for you because they don't have the same beliefs as you, the same morality as you. And that's a fine line to walk. When, when I met my wife, she was in prison. No, I'm just kidding. She was a gangbanger. No, but she wasn't saved, but I saw a potential in her. So it doesn't mean you don't pursue anybody who isn't at the exact same level as you, but if somebody's trying to pull your relationship with God down, but you out of physical attractiveness to them are like, well, I'm gonna lower my standard of morality to be with this person because I like them. That's not healthy. Some of you are like, why is he talking about relationships? I've been married for 45 years. Well, there's people in here who are trying to find a husband and a wife, so you got to deal with it. <laughs> Sometimes we got to talk about things that, you know what? This message might be for one person in here today, to be honest with you. But if, we, if our messages have to be so generalized that everybody in the whole building is like completely satisfied, you know what? Sometimes it's not about you. <laughs> okay. And that's real talk because we get to see you like once a week. So sometimes we got to dig into things a little bit, you know, you might be like, I don't know the first thing about business, but there might be somebody in here today. that's like, man, I really have like lost the balance there between my relationship with God and my business. This is not to condemn anybody, but th again, we're going to stand before him. I'm going to give account for what I said and what I didn't say. And I don't want anybody in here to be facing the police officer and being like, it's a matter of time before he finds the stuff in the trunk. You get what I'm saying? 
um, family. <laughs> family uh, can become an idol. God wants you to have a family that's amazing. But sometimes I see like people in my neighborhood who they are at like every they've got a bunch of kids and they are just nonstop sports, 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 sports. And I never, ever see them go to church. Um, God wants you to have a family and, and be in sports and all that kind of stuff. But if that good thing has become a main thing, we need to look at that. Amen. Um, and there's so many things that I could say, but I'll just end with this last one. Opinions. <laughs> your opinion could become your idol. Well, I think, well, I interpret it this way. You know, that's why we're in this crazy situation where we're, you know, oh, turn off the stream. I'm about to get real. <laughs> Just kidding. God's word's God's word. I may agree with it. I may not, I may not agree with it. I may understand it. I may not understand it, but there can only be a main thing. My dad always says, keep the main thing, the main thing. And there can only be one main thing. And his word has to take precedence over every one of your opinions. And let me just throw this in there. Every one of your emotions. If you justify gossip because of your emotions, God will not play with that. So I don't know why I said that, but I think it might be. If you gossip, oh, oh, buddy, don't be a gossip. Don't be, God does not play about, especially if you're gossiping about believers. God is not happy when there's division. Because it's so hard to get momentum in the kingdom of heaven, in your family, it's so hard to get momentum on things. And if you got one person that's just always just in a bad mood, just trying to mess it up, you're like, oh my God. Well, we're made in the image of likeness of God. Where do you think that intolerance towards that type of attitude comes from? It comes from him. He has that same type of intolerance for people who gossip and, and divide. So don't gossip. Let's not put our opinions above the word of God. But all of these things are given to us as blessings, actually. He gives you, he wants your business to thrive. He wants you to crush it. He wants, he wants you to have an amazing relationship with the hottest girl or the hottest guy. <laughs> no, he does, relatively speaking. You know, um, uh, you know, he wants you to be fully happy in your relationship. But if, if your date night takes precedence and then you're out too late and then you don't go to church on Sunday mornings. It just is what it is. Like you're putting the relationship before the commandments 
to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You got to be in church. You got to be in church. Can I say it, Donnie? You got to be in church. You know, you could stay home and stream. Where's the soapbox? You can stay home and stream. If you're in another place, do it. But if you live in the, if you live in Texas, come to the house of God because that's where you can serve other people. Again, we talk about the blessings, but we got to talk about the flip side because one day we'll be before him. So he wants to bless your families. He wants you to have the most amazing family. He wants all of your kids to make it to, you know, whatever, whatever they're putting in time into. But make sure that they're in church. Make sure your kids are in church. Make sure you're in church. Make sure you're serving God. And he wants to give you opinions. He wants to give you eloquent, intelligent wisdom. Thank you. But he always wants you to submit those things to him. And he wants to give you emotions. He gave you emotions. Emotions are not a bad thing. But he wants you to submit your emotions to him. So that's all I really have to say. Did you enjoy that message? (laughs) I thought that was a good message. I like that message because for me, it's 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 applicable. And please understand, did I, did, did I deliver a deep message and something that hits home, but in a way that is not too condemning? Okay. I need a louder clap than that. I mean, like, <laughs> only the people who were condemned didn't. <laughs> so what I was going to do was... Uh, you know, I was going to take time to open up the altar because I do feel like when I was, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, like altar time was pivotal, you know, to my, to my ability to, yeah, my growth, exactly. And my ability to repent and correct course. And I feel like you know, for various reasons, none of them really nefarious or anything like that. Like churches have gotten away from altar time so much. That's why I love youth because there's so much ability to have altar time, right? (laughs) Donnie said, let's do altar time. So what I feel like is, is let's just close our eyes and If this message was for you, then it was. If it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, If if you've got that right balance, man, then that's amazing. Um, Most Christians will not have that balance for a period of time because there is a wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. And God gives us that time where we can work things out. I'm still in that space all the time. It's like, you know, one of the things I can encourage you on is to, I like to call it taking, basically evaluating your life every night. 
And you can close your eyes and just bow your heads. But before I go to bed every night, I take it kind of an inventory of my day. And I ask myself, did I accomplish these kind of like set things that I wanted to accomplish? Some of them, them like actual like tasks, but a lot of them are just kind of more so like spiritual characteristics that I wanted to achieve. It's really good to always kind of be evaluating your life and not just settle in and be like, I've I've already got it figured out. But the goal would be that one day when you get a little bit more mature in your walk, some of these issues will have been worked out. That's that working out of our salvation that we're all working towards. But in the meantime, we need messages like this to encourage people who aren't maybe there yet, and most of us are definitely not all the way there yet, to be reminded to be doing this. And so I don't want this message to at all feel condemning if you, you know, feel like, you know, your kids are in sports. That's not, please understand my heart and all of that. I have to use some kind of analogy. And no matter what analogy I use, it's going to affect some person who's doing that thing. But the general idea is just of taking time to ask if any good things in our lives have become main things and just making an adjustment because God gives us the grace to do so. So just in your seat, just take a second just to kind of evaluate your life and let God, let the Holy Spirit just bring out anything that might just be a little bit out of whack. And you'll know what that is. I don't have to over-describe it to you. but just let God just bring some things and that's the pruning of the Holy Spirit where he says, hey, I want you to be able to grow and grow healthy. So in order to do that, to walk into this next season, you know, trees drop their fruit. You have to drop the old fruit to get the new fruit. And there's new fruit that God wants to bring into your life. That's a word of God right there. There's a new fruit that God wants to bring into all of our lives. And so when we have these opportunities, it's not to condemn us. And we need to remember the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. The Holy Spirit just brings things to our attention. If we're out of whack and we feel condemnation, it's because the enemy's pointing out something that we're out of line in. And, and that's a good sign for us. So just, just let the Lord speak to you and say, hey, There's some things that we need to realign. And just confess those things to God. And just ask God to help you to put those things into alignment. And just imagine yourself just laying those things down at the altar. And putting God back on the throne. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing at New Beginnings. Father, I rebuke any spirit of condemnation in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you're so good. The gospel is good news, Lord. The gospel is good news. And sometimes, you know, God, when you bring that good news, it causes us to have to have a little bit of adjustment. And that can be a little uncomfortable sometimes, God, but it's because you've got great plans for us and you love us. You don't want anything to get in the way of you being able to 
do the most with our lives. So Father, I thank you that there's new fruit coming onto this congregation in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering of praise?